Well, hello everyone, it's budget day. It's the most exciting day for the Westminster bubble. It's me, my TC, and Peter Barnes, our political editor, and also the correspondence when it comes to the expertise of areas that normal people don't care about, but it still affects them. <laughs> hello, how are you doing, Peter? What a Hi, mate, how are you doing? What a glowing endorsement of what I do for a living, the things nobody cares about. No one cares about, but it's still important. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's been a busy day. Also, I, lo I love the, one of us didn't get a, the memo for the dress code. Uh, I'm my blooming Britain, you wearing a proper suit and everything. Yeah, I know. Some of us have actually got a real job, Maya. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, um, you woke up early. You had to kind of do a briefing before Rishi Sunak um, standing up in the House of Commons. He announced the budget. I'm going to obviously get into it straight away, kind of see what you think and the main points of it. I was genuinely thinking that uh, it's either going to be something that I'm going to be completely frustrated about all the green policies and all the, you know, NHS will be the main point, but actually it wasn't. Um, but what was this budget in terms of uh, kind of perception of uh, kind of the Westminster bubble? Well, it's, I have to admit, I completely agree with you. I thought this was going to be one of these, another green policy announcements and climate change this and NHS that. And honestly, it genuinely wasn't. And that has really surprised quite a few people. I was talking to a colleague of mine, uh, just about an hour ago and he said the exact same thing he was just like well that wasn't what anybody expected to happen um but yeah no i have to admit this was a kind of i had a feel of an election budget uh which was really uh something again a lot of us never thought was going to happen uh particularly in the way that it was presented if when we kind of go through it point by point what what we'll start to see is it's a tackling each area that the conservatives have been criticized on within government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and which that's usually happens probably just before a general election. Now this is going to get everybody running around SW1 going insane thinking we're going to have another general election. Yeah. Um, the rumors were rife around conservative party conference about an early kind of January, February election, but I'm, I'm not convinced by it yet, but this budget has kind of pushed that kind of skepticism out of my head a little bit, but I'm sure we'll get into that. It is tricky because um, a lot of the policies are coming from this government, not necessarily just because of uh, COVID, um, but even before COVID with Theresa May, we became quite big governments, we're very kind of interventionist. And I was, um, you know, every budget, it's the same thing, even with Philip Hammond. And I was literally getting ready to kick off and say, well, there we go. It's just tax rises for the sake of tax rises, extra borrowing for the sake of borrowing, and we're going to waste it on a lot of things. We're still doing a lot of waste, you know, in my opinion, at least. What was it there? In terms of departmental uh, spending overall, we're going to have a situation where they, they kind of tried to balance it up, but overall, the funding is about, uh, what was it, in terms of, hang on, 150 uh, 77 no, no um, 150 150 yeah, 150 billion, billion pounds billion spending now. but um there were a few things that were missing and i'm glad uh, but you can do the analysis why it was missing and uh, how they did it there were no actual green crap taxes and good policies um i was really as you said we we're expecting it to go completely green but it wasn't so why was it well, it's uh, well. Let's look at the economy kind of as a whole. I'm not okay. I actually need to put a clarifier in here. I'm not an economist. <laughs> okay, I just need to feel. I need to say that I'm a political analyst. I'm a political consultant. That's my job. This is my. That's my area. But I've got. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the budget from a political perspective and not necessarily from the economics point of view. That I'm sure Maya, you know, somebody who's much more qualified to talk about it in that respect more than I am. But one thing to really understand is just how dire the economy actually was yep. and how much the was ravaged by COVID. We're a service-based economy. And we, when you shut down services, you shut down the entire economy. There's nothing, we don't really manufacture anything anymore. 
when you take away the the main bit of our of how we make money, you know, it's going to have a direct impact. What is interesting is actually when you look at the numbers, the black and white hard numbers, things aren't actually as dire as the media has seemed to have made them out to be. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, the economy recovering to pre-COVID levels by December, so probably it'll be realistically early January of next year. Uh, the economy's growth is 6.5%. It's expected to be 6% next year. That's the fastest growing in the G7. And Boris, you probably heard Boris say that ad infinitum, but yeah, he should be very proud of that. Um, but also, like wages have seen a 3.4% increase since February. Unemployment, and it's a very unexpected 5.2%. It was predicted to be 11.9%. Mm. That is a huge difference. And I think that shows that the kind of what, what are they calling it? The plan for jobs yeah. is really working. But there is always this specter lingering around the economy and every talking head is going to be banging on about this and it's inflation. Inflation stands at 3.1% at the minute and it's about to average out by 4 to 4%. That means higher things are going to cost more money. That means that your, your bang for your buck isn't really there. This is a big problem. And one thing I will point out real, realistically in the budget, there wasn't a lot of direct policies announced to tackle this head on um but i have to admit there is there is a way they've kind of got about it is very clever and i'll I'll explain that in in a bit but this does feel actually that like there was a big sense of optimism about the economy the rishi Sunak gave an incredible performance if you look at it as from a kind of media point of view Rishi looked like a prime minister, sounded like a prime minister. He gave a commanding performance. The backbenches were going insane behind him. You know, that that was a performance and a half. And I, I, I hope somebody's going to give him a big pat on the back for that because he really deserves it. Yeah. Like you said, many of us in the political world were, were thinking this was going to be a disaster for him. And I actually think it may have paved the way for him to become the next prime minister. Yeah, at least definitely for now. It, it, that's how it seems. Uh, for those of you, obviously, who've, uh, if for some reason you're still following BBC or Sky News, uh, <laughs> you've, seen the, you've seen the key points of uh, the mainstream media, uh, or at least on Twitter. Um, I'm going to give you my top five uh, in terms of the, the good bits and the bad bits quickly and then see uh, what Peter thinks about them. So top five good news. So as, as uh, Peter said, the, the economy growing by 6% in 2022 and obviously going forward as well. Wages also obviously growing by, have grown by 3.4% uh, this year. 50% discount on business rates. That's basically a 1.7 billion pound tax cut and um, cutting the number of uh, alcohol duty rates from 15 to 6. We are going to talk about this in a sec because it's very complicated. <laughs> it's not as easy as before. Um, fuel duty rate cancelled. And finally, universal credit taper uh, cut uh, from 63% to 55%. So this is the top five good bits. Talk about this and I'm going to then go to the top five bad news. Uh, so yeah, what's going on with this <laughs> the, the, the alcohol duty? Because I thought it was going to be simple. Like when David Cameron announced a few years ago, oh, we're just going to cut this their percentage. But apparently the number of duties, the number of rates that they have, and also depending on what sort of drink and how strong the drink is, yeah? Oh, yeah. I, I have to admit, <laughs> I had no idea this area was so complicated. Um, <laughs> me and you might have a friend that works in this in this area and he sent me the treasury a kind of fact sheet on this yeah. about what the changes are going to be. And it was nine pages long. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I did not expect it to be that complicated. Now, I'm sure many people who are watching may run pubs and will probably say, well, of course it is and all the rest of it. But, you know, this is a thing with, with when it's budget day. You suddenly find your niche area of knowledge yeah. is very big when it comes to everything else. You basically know nothing yeah. um, unless you kind of work in the field. Um, but, yeah, so when it comes to this alcohol stuff, 
I do get the feeling that Rishi Sunak likes a strongbow dark fruits because uh, there was big reforms over the side over cider taxes, uh, big reforms over wine. Wine, uh, you know, yeah. the difference between sparkling wine tax and uh, still wine tax was quite significant. I didn't realize it was that high. Now it's been brought into line. Uh, and I think there was, if I remember rightly, there was an announcement that if it's English or Welsh wine, I think there's a further tax reduction on it. Again, you know, the, there is a real targeting of specific of specifics within this budget. And the alcohol one was brilliant. I think it's 3p off the pint, which I know the long live the uh, long live the local campaign is going to absolutely love. Um, but yeah, I think the I think it's on hospitality. If I remember right, it's about seven billion pounds worth of tax cuts over five years. Now that is going to be very very welcome, you know, because as we know, COVID ravaged hospitality, yeah. both in terms of employment and in terms of places staying open. And I think this is just the uplift that they need. I think. I'm sure many publicans will say that they, they should have gone further and they need they should have kept the vax uh, VAT sorry um, tax cut yeah um, should have stayed and all the rest of it I'm sure, but there's always something else the government could have done but I think this was specific and it's by the sounds of it much needed I mean he was uh, Rishi in the actual speech said some of this stuff hadn't been touched for generations <laughs> um, and it was antiquated it was outdated and I think he said that it was the uh, the IFS said that this uh, this area of tax policy was, in other words, a mess, <laughs> which I was just like, if they're saying it, then, yeah, it's definitely a mess. But um, no, on, yeah. on the um, on the alcohol stuff, I have to admit it is. Yeah, it's but, a bit complicated. But yeah. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about the um, future sentient tax rates on um, business rates. This is very good because this is this is to tackle where the conservatives have been hit on uh, the high street, uh, you know, saving the high street and all that kind of stuff. This is about um, keeping the high street alive in the age of Amazon and online buying. Yeah. And if this is another one of those examples of what I said earlier about whether conservatives have been criticized before, this is how they're trying to fix the problem. And it's re this is really smart. One of the biggest things he's brought in on this area isn't necessarily the tax rate cut. It's the fact that it's going to be reviewed every three years rather than I think it was every six or seven years before that. It might be a little less, but I'm not 100% certain. But, you know, just a constant sense of reform and it, it, it can, you know, th that can make or break a business. And it, it was nice to see that that's been identified. It's nice to see that that's been taken just as seriously as it as it rightly deserves. Uh, but yeah, on mm. those, um, the good bits, I, I can't really... Find a fault with them. That's I the mean, thing. It's not for to be fair. It's not even just a good bit for me. My, going to my top five bad news uh, section. This is actually is quite difficult because um, these are the top five I could find. It's just bad news, and and they're not really that bad overall in terms of long term. So top five: inflation to hit four percent in twenty twenty two. As bad, but they're expecting worse, uh, and it's going to be temporary. National debt. Yes, that's going to hit 85.2% of GDP. That's kind of, in, in a weird way, that was kind of expected. It was always going to be high because of everything. Departmental spending, we already said, 150 billion pounds. That's quite bad. But then the, the last two, again, it's just, it's not disastrous. It's just what you expect. Employment to peak, um, unemployment to peak at uh, 
5.2% temporarily. That's going to be fine overall. And NHS spending to increase by £44 billion pounds to over £177 billion. Pounds. That was always going to happen. The NHS is yeah. just a bottomless bucket, just going to throw money at it. My only problem with that is that uh, they're just throwing money at it without any meaningful reform. Uh, but the good thing is, no green crap. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, the less the less green nonsense we hear, I think, for the better, particularly at the moment. I 100% agree with you, again, on the NHS and the black hole that that has become. Um, I mean, yeah, there's nothing we can really do about that. It's something that you kind of got to go through the motions on. Um, but yeah, when you talk about inflation, uh, Rishi started off the speech very, very clear that the government is acting where it can act. And it's, and it's working with international partners to fix many of the problems. So the inflation crisis really started because of two, two major things. One, a shortage in the supply of goods. And the second is the energy crisis. Now, the government has no control whatsoever about fixing these problems. Now, it can do certain things to help, but it needs international cooperation. And Rishi made that very clear. And I think he hammered that point on very well. So I think when it comes to kind of the government being blamed for high inflation, I don't think that's really going to stick. Yeah. The Labour Party have tried and it doesn't seem to be working. I get, I think most of the public understand that the, the world is now a global place yeah. and supply chains are all over the world and everything when, you know, you should, again, you shut down the economies of other countries. It, it's going to affect your country. There's, there's not a lot you can really do about it. Um, but yeah, uh, the percentage of debt is concerning. I mean, I know we, we've mentioned on this channel so many times now that we're about to enter into a stage of politics where we talk about debt policy. And it, I mean, it, it bores me to tears. And like you say, I care about things that nobody else cares about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, people's um, children will have to care about because they yeah, have but that <laughs> Yeah, people's children, people's grandkids. So we have to get this right. And I wish you towards the end of the speech made a really good point is saying like, look, on some stuff, it's not great now because we're still reeling from the effects of COVID. But you're not over it. You know, we're, we might be getting towards the end of it, but we're not quite at the post-COVID economy <clears throat> just yet. And I think this is a great framework to go down. I think this is a good base layer. Um, and I do hope that maybe in the next spending review or in the... Um, next um, economic spring budget. Yeah. The spring budget. Sorry, that's the phrase I'm looking for. <laughs> I think we might get something more on this yeah. to kind of bring down it. But I, we're just on that, we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, but it, it on depends the, on the next few months, but yeah. It does, yeah. Um, the, again, the economy works in very odd cycles. It's very different to political cycles. So, you know, there were some announcements that, you know, that aren't going to come into place maybe till after the uh, next general election, you know, which which means they may never happen. They're, they're I'd be very polit- surprised. Political announcement, basically. Yeah, the polit- yeah, a lot of them were political announcements for look what we're going to do. So please keep us in power. And I think that goes back to the point that we I made earlier about this being an election-style budget because it's about what we're going to do. This was very much about laying the foundations for a post-COVID economy. Yeah. While still recognizing we are still in the COVID. Yeah. One question for you is that uh, one of the policy areas that's uh, always been safe, uh, not really sexy, but it's just been safe and uh, popular. Uh, so when the politicians and governments um, get into trouble or have nothing to talk about, they talk about education. It's actually a very important area, but in terms, it's not sexy. But apparently, Rishi Sunak managed to make education policies and spending on it quite interesting, right? What happened there? 
It did. Now, I've, I've said on this channel multiple times that education is going to be a major policy at the next general election, and this budget seems to have proved me correct. Yeah. Uh, if you look at what was announced, it was about £4.7 billion extra is going into education. Uh, there's a real targeting in adult education and kind of up-training people and retraining people as well. Um, but if you kind of, I think this, I think a lot of this segment was really about combating what Keir Starmer announced with the Labour Party's plans in his conference speech. Now, if you look at that conference speech, the vast majority of it was about schools and education. Now, the Tories have fallen down very sharply on this area. And I've been saying for a long time that they need to start taking this issue seriously. And it looks like finally people are paying attention and we, we're going to see some um, real movement on it. Now, Labour do have a very valid attack line, I do think, uh, because Rishi announced what's known as the Start for Life programme, yeah. um, which is about uh, get a bait, like very, very young kids in the first 1,000 days and all the rest of it, about how important that is. Yep. And they've announced this programme to kind of help on that. Now, if any of you uh, can old enough to remember, you'll remember what there was this thing used to be called Sure Start. Yes. And that was the Labour Party's policy. And this just seemed to be somewhat of a replica. And I do think this is a legitimate attack line that they have. And Rachel Reeves in her rebuttal, which I'm sure we'll get to, yeah. did highlight this fact. But there was an announcement of what's known, what's and this new policy uh, kind of initiative called Multiply. And this, again, is about targeting uh, adults with low numeracy levels. Now, this is a real smart way of kind of doing the budget because it's finding a specific problem within a larger framework. Now, usually what happens in budgets, chancellors throw everything out like baby with bathwater because they want to announce something new and something shiny. Yeah. What Rishi has done here is something very different. And it's something I want to get be called the Sunak method of doing doing a budget and running the economy. It's targeting things within the framework rather than throwing everything away and doing everything wholesale. Yeah. It's actually really smart. And it's, it's a very Goldman Sachs way of doing the economy now. And for those who don't know, Rishi used to work for Goldman Sachs. He was an analyst for them. He was very good at it. Um, and, you know, he's the kind of person that you do want running the economy, if I'm being yeah. brutally honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, but we've seen this kind of method throughout the um uh, throughout the budget so we saw it with the targeting of um hgv visas again instead of radically changing the entire immigration system mm. it's found a specific problem to put policies in place um and in the hopes that it will reform that area rather than just you know going down a brand new immigration policy <laughs> line it doesn't need to be like that yep. it's targeted it's specific um, and again, I know you mentioned it earlier is one of your good things. And I think it's I think it's I think it's genius when it was announced. I was like, how is this even a thing in the first place? And it's the taper tax. Um, now, I, I don't I'm going to run through it very briefly for those who don't know. So on universal credit for every when you work so many hours, they take you are taxed. What was 63 pence uh, for every extra pound earned? Yeah. And Rishi announced that this he said this was fundamentally unconservative. And I thought. Oh, here we go. Here we this go. <laughs> and he said, what we want to do is make work pay. Yeah. So actually, and that, I think that is a fundamental conservative value. It was a real bit of red meat for the Thatcherite branch of the conservatives. And what it, what he's announced is an 8% cut from uh, 63p to 55p. Now, these numbers sound very small, but it realistically, I think the example he gave was a single mom working 
uh, 40 hours on the living living wage, which oh. has increased. Another bit of good news. Um, <laughs> but he talks about how they'll save. It's about just over a thousand pounds. Now, a thousand pounds to some people may not be a lot of money, but I tell you right now, to some people, that is a yeah. lifeline. That is a fundamentally life-changing amount of money. Yeah. And it just gives you a bit of breathing room. It gives you the opportunity to go into a new job, to maybe, you know, to retrain into something. It just gives you that breathing room. And I think that is one of the measures that really tackles the cost of living crisis head on. Because I think all people need is room to breathe. And yeah. I think I think it was smart. And, they, and it's pure Sunak. It, yeah. it is just a great way of using the economy to do good because he announced uh really early on and I, I don't know if it's been picked up by other people that whilst we he's openly said that we're not bailing out companies the government is not there to you know pick up every failing project yeah he did say that the government is willing to step in now i read this as economic interventionism yeah but what, I like, <laughs> what i actually think this is i think it's policies like this i yeah. think it's fixing what's already there rather than throwing everything out and building everything for the new and again throwing everybody into complete disarray yeah. by way of saying well wait a minute where, where am i getting where's my money coming from and yeah. it, you know this is families this is people's lives and livelihoods it's people's homes and mortgages yeah you can't mess around with this stuff not ju not just because it's immoral but politically it's suicidal <laughs> well that's um, it but yeah I, that... it is i have to admit this way of doing the economy is for me top draw to, uh, speaking of uh, political suicide, uh, the, we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, let's talk about uh, Labour's reaction. <laughs> political suicide, <laughs> Rachel Reeves. What happened there? Because I, I remember even back in the days when uh, Ed Bowles was, um, had to respond, and, or anybody, um, the, the, the one weakness that the, the Shadow Chancellor or the opposition leader have is that they don't really get the full, obviously, the announcement of speech beforehand. So they have to do pre-written uh, kind of these notes and lines. And a lot of times I remember Ed Bowles used to come out well, George Osborne used to announce and say, for example, I'm giving out this freebie. And then Ed Bowles' note used to say, well, we want this freebie. He's not giving it to us. Like, he just announced. <laughs> so uh, yeah. what's the assessment assessment of uh, okay, Rachel? So, uh, so this is a little different. So normally it's the leader of the, uh, it's the, leader of the opposition that would actually gives the rebuttal to the budget um, rather than just the spending review. Uh, but apparently but yes, it was so, in hiding, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so uh, hiding. He's tested positive for COVID. Um, <laughs> or, or has the fifth, it? <laughs> the fifth time, I'd like to point out, the fifth time he's had to self-isolate. He's, but he's, he's, more, he's had more COVID than anybody else in the country. Yeah, yeah for the Labour Party that's going around preaching other, to preaching people about being safety and being aware of COVID, the guy that's had to isolate five times really should <laughs> learn to take his own lesson. But Rachel Reeves, God love her. God loves to try. But my Lord, that was one of the worst rebuttals to anything I've ever seen. It read like a like a hatchet job from the Daily Mirror. It really did. I mean, I could literally guess the headline by by which paragraph she was then reading out. It was ridiculous. It, it went on about bankers. It went on about bonuses. It went on about Tory cronyism. It was just, I mean, like, fair enough. If, if she hasn't seen the full text, something I don't believe. Um, I mean... She's the shadow chancellor of the, you know, she's she's the woman that wants to be Rishi Sunak. Why why has she no response to anything? Where exactly. where is the Labour policy? And I don't know, like, so there was a lot of lowering of expectations for her. I mean, she's not very well highly regarded in the House anyway. But I mean, the media were doing their best to you know make it just so she had a small step rather than a, a, a fence to jump. But I mean, she's made a complete mess of it. Um, you know, it was always. 
doom and gloom and you know i don't get me wrong she's right on some stuff but just as an overall rebuttal to that it will be completely ignored um because it was just talking points there was no meat to it there was yeah. no fiery punch to it there was no I, I felt there was no passion behind it either it felt like a forced performance and I just... They should you know, have had Ed Miliband doing the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, so Ed Miliband actually did Prime Minister's Question. He's, he's better before. than her. <laughs> and I mean, he looked like he was having the time of his life. <laughs> I, mean, I was talking to a few friends on Twitter about it. And he was just like, this guy, I was like, does he think he could be Labour leader again? I mean, like, he had <laughs> he the lean on the box going. He had these little quips and jokes. Yeah. He was, you know, he, don't get me wrong. He's probably had a bit more practice at... Yeah, he's, he's grown up now. He's... <laughs> he has. He has grown up now. And, yeah. and this whole part of me does think that Ed Miliband, after that, will think, I could be leader again. He definitely can't be. <laughs> yeah. But um, I it doesn't... The um, self-awareness of the left very rarely go together. So, <laughs> yeah, but um, as, as, a, as a rebuttal... Labour's yeah, will be completely terrible. forgotten. Uh, to, to end this, one final question uh, over the next uh, week, uh, the next opinion polls, uh, do you think uh, the Tories will get you know, a couple of extra points or just no change or will they go down? I don't think they'll go down. I think in some they'll go up, um, maybe just one or two points. Now, I think it was Savannah had the Tories at the lowest polling level uh, today since the general election and that's on 37%, the Labour on 35%. Um, I expect a little bit of a bounce because uh, I, I, from the initial reaction to a lot of the budget, it's not really all doom and gloom. Um, I think the markets responded pretty well to it as well. Uh, you've got the usual figures coming out there, so I expect a, a negative Guardian headline. I think the Mirror will go on about Tony Tory cronyism and all the rest of it. But I do think overall the mood is quite good, but I also think it helps that there has been no Labour response to it. Yeah. So I do expect a little bit of a bounce. Maybe the Tories will probably go back into the low 40s, maybe 41, 42 at the absolute highest. But I, I do expect the Tories to do quite well out of this. Yeah, well, on that note, we'll find out exactly how much we're going to see any, any sort of changes. But the main point is uh, we'll see the, the effects of it on the economy over the next year or two. And by that time, we're going to have to get ready for the next election. So maybe the Shunak <laughs> model Don't say that. Is, going to, <laughs> is going to be working. Well, it's, it's, it's almost 2022 now. So that's about two, three years. I, I, I think we're going to be looking around 2024. Don't, the way don't, don't, don't say it. Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. I, don't I don't think I've, I've, I haven't slept since 2016. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still voting every two weeks. No, no, it's fine. We're, we will continue our analysis on this channel. And we're not going to talk about elections because it will trigger Peter. But thanks again yeah. for coming on the show, Peter, and your analysis. And guys, uh, let us know in terms of what you think, uh, wherever you're from and whatever you do in terms of your sector, your industry, how you're feeling in terms of uh, the effect of uh, Rishi Sunak's announcement. Thanks again for watching. I'm Maya TC with Peter Barnes and we are the media.